Allergic individuals and parents hope to avoid allergic reactions and needing to actually use epinephrine. But what if you do need to use it, and then you're left feeling trauma and increased fear as a result? This episode explores strategies and tips to prepare for and process emotions about epinephrine use, including tips to help navigate emotions at the time of the reaction. Welcome to Exploring Food Allergy Families, a podcast with real talk, relatable conversations, and practical tips focused on navigating the impacts that food allergies have on families, relationships, and mental health. I'm Tamara Hubbard, licensed therapist and the host of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Please remember that while this podcast offers general advice, it should never replace medical or mental health care guidance from your own healthcare team. Joining me today for our discussion on taking the fear and trauma out of using epinephrine is psychologist Fawn McNeil-Haver. Fawn is a licensed clinical psychologist and food allergy mom in private practice who specializes in working with anxiety and trauma in adults, teens, and children. She and her team of therapists at Brave Mind Psychological Services in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, are passionate about providing food allergy-informed psychotherapy so individuals and families can be brave and embrace life to the fullest, even with food allergies. Thanks so much for joining me today, Fawn. Um, how, how are things going for you in the last few months or so, or last 12 months? Oh, it's been quite a transition, and there's there's been so many, many different changes, and it's yeah. We're doing good though. How are you guys doing? Yeah, same old, same old. Um, just, you know, doing the school thing, the therapist thing, spending family time together thing, you know. Yep. What yep. we what we do in a pandemic, right? That's uh absolutely what, what we do. So um I'm so glad we're able to talk about this important topic, um, taking the trauma out of epinephrine use because that can feel very scary, right? This is such mm-hmm. an important topic to explore. Um you know, the feelings that you feel when just thinking about using epinephrine or needing to. Um, I know you've probably heard from from other, you know, your clients or people in the community that maybe it's a fear of needles. Um, maybe it's just, you know, will I be able to use it if my child or I have a reaction? So there's a whole bunch of feelings that come up even before we ever yeah. potentially have to use epinephrine, right? Absolutely. And I think there are a number of pieces around educating about using epinephrine that sometimes get missed. So there are the feelings, there's the the education, and having those things happen prior really does help um, take some of the wind out of, you know, how hard it can be in the moment. Yeah, I agree. Preparation. There's a reason why preparation is so heavily Mm -hmm. stressed in the food allergy community, because it really does make a difference. I don't know about you, but I also find that, you know, food allergy management is so focused on the skill of avoidance, uh, Mm -hmm. allergen avoidance, avoiding unsafe Mm -hmm. situations or places that sometimes it ends up leading to avoiding even thinking about or preparing for the use of epinephrine in emergency situations, because even thinking, like we said, can feel hard. So we want to avoid that uncomfortable feeling and we don't think about it. Yes. Yes. And I think this is, this can be particularly the case when you're um, newer to the world of food allergies Mm -hmm. and 
you know, you really don't want to think about having this happen. And, and it, it can get in the way of when, like I, 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 you and I have spoken before and I mentioned that, you know, 40% of kids who have food allergies are going to experience an anaphylactic reaction. Those are the statistics that we're seeing, which means we need to be prepared when it happens. Right. Right. And that preparation by just being prepared or even simply just preparing your mind to think about it Mm -hmm. can really, like you said, help in that situation. And, um, you know, help you build confidence even before there's ever a situation where you need to use epinephrine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start by offering some suggestions and tips about that preparation phase. So, um, you know, no matter where you're at in your food allergy journey, whether you're newly diagnosed, your child's newly diagnosed, you've been at this for years, um, there's still preparation. And again, I I think you'd agree the preparation may look different depending on the Mm -hmm. phase you're in or the age you are or your child is. So -hmm. let's just talk about some general preparation steps that can help um, prepare you for needing to use epinephrine, which may in in essence help you feel more confident and less traumatized by it if you should have to use it. Absolutely. I'm going to throw out some of the, the, um, the general ones that we Mm -hmm. all hear and that everyone should know. And there's the obvious carry your epinephrine as part of your, your plan, carry it. It should be, you know, you should have a swim pack with you. And then the second thing, as far as preparation is what is your plan? What is your food allergy plan and knowing um, what your food allergy plan is Mm -hmm. from when to use what, whether it's, um, what you use with a single hive versus a full-blown reaction, knowing that food allergy plan. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I'm going to throw in with that that I hear a lot is hesitation to use um, epinephrine because it's going to mean going to the emergency room. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I hear mm-hmm. that too. Yes. And I, I just want to put out there, it's not the use of epinephrine that requires going to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like many people feel like, okay, if I use epinephrine, that means I have to go to the emergency room. When you're going to the emergency room to watch that food allergy reaction, to continue to assess it, to see if there are other things needed, not because the epinephrine was used, not because epinephrine is in the system or because a needle was used. Mm -hmm. So there, there are two separate pieces. And if you are going to be making a decision about one of them, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to smush them together. Okay. I yeah. don't want to go to the emergency room, so I shouldn't use epinephrine. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, and these plans, these emergency action plans that we get from our allergists each year are there to help us take the questions out of this process, mm-hmm. right? They're there to be a guide to help you decide this is when you need to use epinephrine, right? And that that should help us feel more confident. But you're right. I do think because they're 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 not wanting to go to the emergency room or misunderstanding the reason why you'd go to the emergency room, or they just, oh, I don't know if I want to use it. Um, there's that hesitation that comes up, even thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, will I know when to use it? Will I mm-hmm. follow through with it? And I always remind people, if you're hesitating or thinking about that, whether you're in the moment or not, get mm-hmm. clarification from your allergist. Yes. 
You know, that's what they're there yeah. for. That's what they make the plans for. Um, and, and to your point about have that plan, but be familiar with it and make sure mm-hmm. other, you know, your kids are familiar, other fl- family members, key adults in their lives understand it. Um, yeah. Is I think sometimes we just, we get the plan and we put it away or we get the plan, mm-hmm. the emergency action plan, we put it in their, their epi kit and then it sits there for a year. But do mm-hmm. we really visit it? So one of the things I, for preparation that I recommend, and, and I try, we try to do this in my own house is put the preparation of reviewing the emergency action plan and preparing, you know, practicing with epinephrine trainers on a routinely a routine schedule. Mm-hmm. So for instance, maybe you change your, um, smoke detectors every is it three or six months. My husband, that's my husband's job. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't mm-hmm. always track how long, how often he does it, but that, or when you talk and when you revisit a couple of times a year, what would, what would you do for fire safety in your family? What is your plan? Yep. So add that to the list of things to review, right? Absolutely. And I love how you said practice with the epinephrine trainer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I saw this come up recently, a parent asking should I practice with my three-year-old or not? Mm. And, um, and you know, one of the things that I say is from the standpoint of the epi trainer, I mean, kids love to see these things. And that yeah. doesn't mean you're putting the responsibility in their hands. A three-year-old certainly is not going to be um, the one that's going to be responsible for um, administering epinephrine. Yeah. But having kids be familiar. It's not this new thing suddenly that's go- that comes out, that they, they've seen this before. It's a familiar thing for them. Right, um, right, yeah. That it looks familiar. It doesn't look scary. It doesn't look novel because in an emergency situation, the brain does not like anything novel. Right. You want something familiar that they've seen before, that they've touched before, that, um, that they, they have some understanding of. That's a really good point, the familiarity, and then recognizing that that is something that is helpful, right? Um, I know it's, it's going to feel scary for some anyhow, because there is a needle in there. Um, and not, mm-hmm. I think most people don't like needles, um, but if it will help if they are familiar with it, recognize it and know that it's there to help them. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And especially if, if um, your child has some understanding that it's a needle, you yeah. know, looking at an epinephrine pen... Um, is a lot less intimidating than imagining uh, a flu shot or what they typically right. think of when they think of a needle. So right. that also is important. Yeah, letting them know that you you're not going to see the needle, right? Mm-hmm. With with an epinephrine auto injector, it's it's in there and and then it delivers the medicine and then goes back into the pen. Um, Whereas you said, like you said, when we're, (laughs) I always turn my head away when I get shot. So I'm somebody who doesn't Mm -hmm. like needles either. Um, You know, one of the other things too, that I, in the preparation of, or thinking about the, the possibility of having to use epinephrine for parents is be okay and accept that you don't like the thought about using it, right? Don't judge Mm -hmm. yourself for having that thought of saying, I really hope I don't have to use it. And I wonder if I'm going to be able to, those are just thoughts. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that if you're in the situation, you're going to react that way. Mm -hmm. You know, so acknowledge that it's normal to have those thoughts or those fears, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't automatically translate to you're going to be, you know, stuck in, in panic or fear if the situation comes up. Yes. And that is such an important point because I think sometimes um, we as people can get caught up in being, am I going to be able to do the right thing when the moment comes? Am I going to be able to do the right thing? 
And it's understandable to be concerned because it is important to be able to know what to do in those moments. Mm -hmm. But many of us as parents have had moments where we've had to suddenly deal with something. Maybe our child um, got cut and we suddenly needed to jump into action and stop the bleeding, get band-aids, you know, calm them down. And we do it. We, we, We rise to that occasion as parents. And so we can both be nervous. And we can also know that we have it within us to rise to the occasion and take care of it, especially if we know exactly what to do. So important. I, I shared something on social media the other, the other day. I can't take credit. It was an image that another therapist, a therapy practice shared, but it, it relates to what you just said, the power of and. we can, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's how I, 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 I phrased it when I shared it is, you know, psychological mm-hmm. flexibility is believing in the power of and, and not just fusing with, or, and you just basically mm-hmm. said that we can be nervous and mm-hmm. still do what we need to do. So we have carrier yeah. epinephrine two at mm-hmm. a time. We have, yeah. um, have your emergency action plan and be familiar with it yourself, your kids, family, anyone who, um, takes care of your children. Mm-hmm. We have practicing with epinephrine trainers to develop familiarity and then role play scenarios. Anything else that we would suggest for the preparation or just thinking about if you have to use epinephrine? One of the big things that uh, I think is important for parents, important for caregivers, important for loved ones is to really, I, I call it having nerves of steel. You know, yeah. you prepared, you understand what to do, and now you're off you know, you're on and it's your job to be that rock in that moment. So um, one of the things when I was growing up, my dad always told me when you're in, you know, a scary situation, your car hits black ice, the worst thing you can do is panic. Ah, Worst thing you can do is panic. Um, You need to, you know, hone in on what you need to do in that moment, which is turn into the the slide, the um, skid on the ice. And, but the worst thing you can do is panic. And really that's, that's both the person who's, you know, experiencing the reaction, but you as the support even more so is having that, that rock there that, okay, we're going to do this. Here's what we need to do. And letting your child see that, because you have to remember also, if you're a parent, your child's watching you. If you have other children, they're yeah. watching you. And, yeah. and, you know, we've talked before about that idea of kids checking in with parents to see, am I okay? Yeah. And what you need to let them know in that moment, you know what? You're going to be okay. Here's what we're going to do. And yeah. that's the way it's going to be. So really, I'm um, having those nerves of steel in that moment. And you you can deal with the, the emotional fallout afterwards. But in right. that moment. right. Right. So as we talk about what we need to do, if we get into a situation where there's a reaction or we, we feel there's a use for epinephrine, that we have to act swiftly, but mm-hmm. calmly, have our nerves mm-hmm. of steel, mm-hmm. model for our kids, whether it's the, the child who's having the reaction or a sibling mm-hmm. or someone else, that mm-hmm. we can go into action mode and mm-hmm. do what we need to, even if it feels scary. Yep. And I'm going to throw out there, if you're the spouse, yeah. An adult, if you're, you know, that is your role, your parent of an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because I did a survey, um, an informal survey, uh, and I did a mirror survey between moms and dads. So I asked the same questions. And what I took away from their responses was that 
in a lot of these emergency situations or even the doctor's appointments, the, the, the things that sort of tend to bring more anxiety, many of them felt that they were the ones that were going to handle that um, better than their wives. Um, so I'm going to compare that to what their spouses felt too. Um, but mm. I think, it, I think it's good to know that even if you feel like you're somebody who maybe doesn't handle emergencies well, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be a- able to act, like you said, with nerves of steel swiftly, mm-hmm. but calmly, right? This is a yeah. different situation. Yes. Okay. As we move on, that's the first tip. What's another tip that you, um, that you remind people about the actual we're here, we need to use epinephrine, it's go time. So provide positive reinforcement. So you are there, whatever this person, you are talking them through it, whether it's to calm down and you are there to provide that positive reinforcement. If your child told you what symptoms they're experiencing, great, thank you for telling me that. If they're able to sit down, when they took that epinephrine shot, let me tell you, I don't care if they screamed, what they did, they took it like a champ, period. They took it and they took it like a champ and you are so happy they did. And really, you know, it is about providing that positive reinforcement. Oh, we're going to go on an ambulance ride. Wow. We've never been on an ambulance. Come on, let's check this out. Um, So really having that positive reinforcement, and that doesn't mean that you are invalidating their own concern or anxiety. You do want to balance that, but you want to be encouraging. You want to be the one that's there and kind of helping them along. And I imagine that we need to be doing that for ourselves as parents too, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because we're normalizing that it's normal for us to feel nervous and scared, but we're doing hard things and we're getting through it. And, and I think sometimes actually, I don't know if you've seen this or if any uh, clients have reported this, sometimes actually the, the kids handle this better than we do. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I love that you're normalizing the feelings, but also, you know, reinforcing the positive things that they're doing. They're, you know, they're letting you give the epinephrine auto injector, right? They're cooperating. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're telling you how they feel. They told you they didn't feel right, right? That all of these yep. wonderful things that they're doing that we may have wondered is would they do that if in this situation, right? We've wondered mm-hmm. about this and now they're doing that. And like you said, it doesn't matter if this doesn't look like the perfect scenario in our heads of, you know, how this is going to go if we have to give epinephrine. That doesn't yeah. matter. They can scream, yeah. they can do whatever, you know, but they're doing it. Yes. And I've certainly, you know, said to my child, oh my goodness, you're throwing up. Your body's trying to get rid of whatever's in there. You just keep, you're okay. You're going to get rid of now inside. I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, he's throwing up. What does this mean? Um, you know, what is, but I am focused on, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's what we've done. And at the same time, I am coaching you through it. Like, okay, your body is getting rid of that. That's a good thing. What we're also saying is language matters what you're saying yes. matters, right? And so, yes. you know, now might not be the time in the middle of a reaction to be like in the example you shared, you know, your child's throwing up to say, gosh, I wonder why you're throwing up. And, you know, what is this about? Now mm-hmm. might be the time, as you said, to say, wow, your body's throwing up. It's trying to tell us it needs help. And so let's give it the help it needs, right? And so yes. afterwards you can sit and process that thought of what the hell was that about? Oh my gosh, that was scary. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, your language and what you say matters to the kids and to yourself. Yeah. 
And it matters not even just on a mental health standpoint. It matters on not exciting the body more because you also don't want that person who's having a reaction to start becoming excitable. You want them to be remaining as calm as possible. Right. And we know that the mind and body are connected. So the things we think and say can set off, like like we've talked about before, that cycle, that physiological cycle of stress and anxiety too, for both us and the person around us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got so far, act swiftly, but calmly with the nerves of steel, provide Mm -hmm. positive reinforcements to our child or ourselves. Mm-hmm. What's another step to help us deal with using epinephrine in the moment or afterwards? It's going to help us decrease the trauma we might feel. Reminding ourselves that this, this is, and I mean, I think this goes back to um, having our epinephrine and having our plan, but that epinephrine, it, it, it's a good thing. It's not in and of itself. It's not going to do harm. So all yeah. of that back and forth about give it, not give it. It, it, it's not, it's not something that, that is known to be a harmful thing in comparison to yeah. being concerned about a food allergy reaction. So normalizing that again, we shouldn't necessarily be afraid of the epinephrine use, that this is something that's good and that even when in doubt, use it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's next? The next thing that I typically think of starts to roll into the aftermath. Yeah. So, you know, you, you it, it's, it is an emotional experience yeah, going, you know, if you end up going to the emergency room as, as most of us should mm-hmm. and being watched there and watching for a biphasic reaction. And after that whole thing, it's then, okay, now what can we further do to prevent this from ending up being kind of this traumatic reaction. And mm-hmm. so I start thinking about what comes next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So processing and, and I think, you know, you're saying basically we need to prepare for the emotions because this is an emotional experience um, mm-hmm. for ourselves and our children. Um, and so, and, and I've seen where kids after, after the fact, they bounce right back. Mm-hmm. And the parent is left with the feeling of what just happened and how do we avoid this again? And now I have to figure that out and I'm still traumatized and all of these feelings and thoughts of what to do afterwards and the child's moved on, but we're, we're sitting here as a parent with that. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. normal and not uncommon. And I think that's important to normalize that after an experience like epinephrine use with a reaction and, or, you know, going to the emergency room and, 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 and managing it there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You boxed up all of those feelings and Mm -hmm. they just come pouring out. And I think a lot of times people are blindsided by that, Yeah, that they don't, that they've, they've made it through um, and maybe they're home and their child is home and their child is better. And they're just left with this, this over these overwhelming feelings. I, I was recently reading a book and um, it was about, about completing the stress cycle. And mm-hmm. the way that they explained this was exactly what we're talking about. You can have the stressor, the situation mm-hmm. go by or removed or done or over, but that doesn't mean the stress that you're feeling immediately goes away. Right. So that makes sense. So now we've gotten through this reaction and we have these feelings and we have these thoughts. What do you suggest to your patients and clients to do at that point? So one of the 
things that um, I think is important to keep in mind is that sometimes kids kind of keep on rolling. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes kids are a little shaken by it. Yeah. And so one of the things that can really help is providing opportunities to let um, kids retell their story. I love that. And yeah. I think that's really important. And we see that that naturally happens. I mean, if you think about having a tough situation and then you go to your best friend and you tell your best friend and maybe you mm -hmm. tell your spouse and then you end up telling the story over and over again and suddenly you don't care about it anymore. You're like, right. you don't even feel like talking about it anymore. Right, right. And so, you know, giving your child that opportunity to tell their um, story about what happened and whether they're writing it out or drawing it out mm -hmm. and hearing them express kind of whatever scary feelings they had without putting any of your stuff on it. Yep. Um, cause we just established that, that you've got some stuff going on there too. Absolutely. <laughs> but letting them tell their story and letting their siblings tell their story because siblings yes. also have a reaction when this happens. Many times they're left home yeah. wondering what's going on in the emergency room, wondering what's happening. And so allowing your family to tell this story and then using that story to create empowerment. And so we talked about that positive reinforcement of anything that your child did right, anything that your teen did right, anything that you're a young adult, if we're talking about parents, you know, really using it as empowerment about the ways they took care of their body. Yeah. The ways that they communicated, the ways that they took the epinephrine, the ways that they communicated with the hospital staff, like really empowering and, and lifting up the things that they did that were absolutely amazing ways to take care of their body. Mm -hmm. And eventually circling back around to what are some of the things that we might do differently in the future um, as a way to create more control and whether that's looking at, you know, how the reaction got started, whether that's looking at the different phases, the preparation phase, the different things that they might want to do, um, circling back to that with whatever ideas that they might have to make things better and to create empowerment for themselves. But really coming from that growth mindset, having that empowerment and letting them tell their story. Yeah. It's another way for the brain to process it. I love everything you just said. And, um, you know, I love that you, you said, let's extend this to the whole family system because you're right. Mm -hmm. I think that the other siblings or other family members who have witnessed this are obviously going to be left mm -hmm. with some feelings and thoughts as well. And, mm -hmm. um, as you're processing all these feelings and then discussing the stories that we're sharing and then learning and empowering ourselves from them, those other family members may have a lot to add as well, because again, maybe they were, yeah. maybe they were witnessing this and were uh, enough removed from the actual action where they might've noticed something that might be helpful to share too, as well mm -hmm. as sharing their feelings. So I love that you've, mm -hmm. you know, highlighted, this should be something that we give everybody the opportunity. Now they may not want to do that mm -hmm. and that's okay, but giving them the opportunity to do that, I think is important. Absolutely. And it can be, a bonding experience also, yeah. especially if you're talking about it as a family, it creates this connection and this community that also helps support it not being this traumatizing situation that yeah. follows your child. 
Yeah. So we've got acting swiftly with nerves of steel, providing positive reinforcement afterwards, uh, discussing processing our stories and learning from the experience. And and then I think we we also were mentioning, you know, processing our own emotions as parents. Um, and I think one of the things I would highlight there is that it's not uncommon for parents to want to go back into overprotective mode too. I see, I've seen mm-hmm. that happen. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so what, what do you talk with your, your clients about when that kicks in that, that drive to, I don't want us to experience this again. So we need to make sure that we don't make mistakes. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's twofold. So there's that one, you know, I, I'm very, when I talk about creating that story, mm-hmm. highlighting the positives and circling back to the things we can improve, mm-hmm. I'm, it's very, that, that, that train of thought is in that order for that mm-hmm. reason to yeah. build upon that. And in addition to that, you know, we think of this other component of, okay, now, all right, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep you safe. Like, okay, well, we've discussed what can we improve? Are we doing this from a standpoint of improvement or is it coming from overprotection? Because one of the things to really keep in mind with overprotection is you're sending your child the message that things are very dangerous. Mm -hmm. You're not sure that they can handle it. And you might even be sending the message. You're not sure you can handle it, depending on how overprotective and what you're doing. We're, We're never going, we're not, we're, you know, sometimes you revert to, we're not even going to go outside. Like we're just going to stay in the house, we're right. eat in the house. Yeah. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to visit anyone. Um, yeah. And it, it makes the world a lot smaller and makes the world a lot scarier. Yeah. So yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's so important. And, and so, you know, I think what we're really saying is that when we have this pretty normal response after the reaction to want to overprotect. And again, that's our mind doing what it's supposed to do, which is keep us Mm -hmm. safe. But sometimes I I will refer to our mind as our overly helpful friend. Uh And, um, and so sometimes it's being overly helpful by saying, Hey, let's make our world real small real safe. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we need to assess what the overprotection is about. Is it about relieving ourselves of the anxiety of the what ifs and Mm -hmm. potential future reactions? And how does Mm -hmm. that, like you said, impact our children and their ability to perceive their food, food allergy, even after a reaction, are they going to feel unsafe about everything? Or is it, you know, we have a need to overprotect, right? So what is Mm -hmm. this about? And yeah, that might offer temporary relief and anxiety, but long-term, yeah, be, how is that going to impact a reaction things? to that guilt? Right. Right. Because I just want to throw that guilt yes, out there too. The guilt what is if real. guilt yep. it could be a reaction to. Yeah. The narratives that we create when we mm-hmm. uh, put together mm-hmm. the thoughts and our perceptions of a situation can sometimes be pretty faulty. Right. And so if it were something where maybe we didn't read a label carefully, or maybe we did and still something happened, or, you know, something where we deem it was our fault as the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guilt is a real feeling there. And so how do we yeah. respond to that? Well, we say, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. And sometimes we feel we need to go to overprotection mode to keep that from happening, rather than mm-hmm. saying, okay, how can I still do this in a way without being overprotective? 
learn from Mm -hmm. it, maybe make some changes, but not make our world smaller, not kind of move backwards. And we probably should say sometimes it does take a step backwards initially. And and that's okay Mm -hmm. too, right? Getting back to some basics. But the goal is to keep moving forward with confidence even after a reaction. Yes. So one of the things that um, I put together, which really kind of talks about everything we've just said, is this uh, this um, this acronym TRACE. It's a post-anaphylaxis reminder. So T is for time and trust. We need time to rebuild the trust again. And that can be trust in ourselves, um, our kids trusting their own abilities to navigate allergies safely, um, trust in labels. The R is for routine. So getting back to a normal routine as soon as possible can be really helpful. A is for allergists. So we always want to review um, any reaction or use of epinephrine with our allergists to learn something as well. C is compassion, right? So we need to extend compassion to ourselves Mm -hmm. and our child. We just went through something major. And E is education. Is there something that we need to fill in the, a knowledge gap for? Is there something that we you know, need to learn more about, right? So we basically covered that with, with what you said, that story is a great way of doing these steps um, yes. and finding out you know, how not only to process our, process our feelings, but is there something else we need to know to move forward in a different way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the key theme of this episode is really to encourage and empower people to realize that, yes, thinking about using epinephrine and having a reaction is going to feel scary and it's going to make us feel anxious, but we can do this. We can prepare and we can Mm -hmm. get through it. And so don't necessarily avoid thinking about that situation because that's not helpful. Right. Any additional thoughts that you'd share tips that you think would be helpful for listeners on this topic? No, I think I I love your trace worksheet and just so viewers uh, and listeners um, know you have a ton of helpful worksheets on your site that just kind of really help with mindset and framing these different things from, um, I think you have another one that's what's within our control and what's Mm -hmm. not within our control. And a lot of times after these kind of reactions, we have to kind of recalibrate that because it feels like, like we want to control everything. And at the same time, everything feels out of control. So it's almost like we have to go back to like, okay, well, what is, what is, what is actual as opposed to what I'm feeling right now? I love that. We have to recalibrate the control factor. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to sort of sum this episode up. So I love that. Yeah. And I think it's important to help people, you know, remind themselves that there are more and more allergy informed therapists and psychologists out there who get this and who are there Mm -hmm. to help you. If you find that you're just, you know, you've done these steps, you've tried to process this and you're still feeling stuck, right? Can't move forward after a reaction it may be time to say, I need extra support and turning to somebody like a therapist or psychologist for help on that is, is something that's okay to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing the different things that we can do together to build and empower people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So before we end, I've got my final Mm -hmm. guest question that I ask. So here goes one way people can build confidence in living with a food allergy is by doing what? Being committed to living your life on your terms. Yes. Just having that commitment. Because even if you take a step back, mm-hmm. saying, I can build up 
to where I was and keep moving forward. So just having that commitment, I'm going to live my life with my food allergies and I'm going to do the things that I, I want to do and the things that I, I, I need to do in order to, to really feel, feel like I'm, I'm living. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a key point is, you know, even after an allergy reaction and using epinephrine, we can still continue to live our life fully. We have to work mm-hmm. back to that point. Yeah. Keep being committed to living. I love that. That's a great, great, great point there. And finally, um, Fawn, where can people learn more about your practice or connect with you? Yeah, you can check us out on our website. Um, That's www.bravemindsnj.com. Our social media handles are at bravemindsnj. And you can check us out there. We're located in New Jersey and food allergies are, are, we we have several therapists and it's really important for us to be able to support food allergy families. I love that. I love chatting with you about these topics because I think, you know, it's, it's important to help people understand there are, there are therapists out there that get it. And, uh, you know, we can help you if you need that help. Thanks Absolutely. so much. Thanks so much for joining me today, Fawn. So that we could talk about taking the trauma out of epinephrine use and reactions and uh, you're welcome on anytime. So I hope we'll do another episode again soon. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and share this podcast with others who might enjoy it. Until we connect for the next episode, be good to yourselves and take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Exploring Food Allergy Families. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss future ones. And if you're looking for an allergy-informed behavioral health care provider or for additional resources on any of the topics discussed in these podcasts, visit the Food Allergy Counselor directory and website at www.foodallergycounselor.com.